Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, and welcome to the podcast today. This episode is brought to you by Waypoint TV. Waypoint is way more than a website. It is a place where producers can upload one time, and it goes to all of these incredible platforms like Amazon Fire TV, Roku, Samsung, Amazon, Chromecast, Xbox. Gosh, so many. And you got apps available for your phone in the Apple Store and also your Android Store as well. They've just put in a live feature where you go there, you click the live button, and shows will just start playing. You don't even have to think about it anymore. You just go there, hit the live button, Go back to whatever you were doing, leave it on in the background, and you can discover some new shows, or maybe one of your old favorites will come on there too. You can go to waypointtv.com, or you can search for it in the app store of your choosing and install it on whatever device you use and watch it completely for free. We have a couple other quick things to tell you. Started a podcast website, a dedicated website for this podcast is very easy to find. TomRolandPodcast.com. That's T-O-M-R-O-W-L-A-N-D-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com. TomRolandPodcast.com. And, you know, it's a place where you can, you can get all the different episodes. We'll do some different writing over there. One thing that's very cool about the website right now that I really like is that you can access the book club from the website. Now, I didn't really like reading when I was a kid. In fact, it was <laughs> it was torture for me. But I do like it much later in life. I love it, in fact. And I have been reading a ton. And it really helps that most of these books are available on audio. And I can be listening to the books while I'm driving. I do a lot of driving, so it's a great time to listen to books. If you would like to support the podcast, you can buy the book through the website, and it will take you to Amazon. We're simply an Amazon affiliate, and you'll get to your own account. The book costs exactly the same, and uh, you'll be able to support the podcast. So if you'd like to read the same books that we're reading or some of the books that the guests have suggested as some of their most important books in their life, go to TomRollandPodcast.com, look at Book Club, and you can maybe find a new book. All right, today's show is with Peter Miller. Peter Miller uh, has done lots of stuff. You may know him from his television show, Bass to Billfish, and he's starting a new show called Uncharted Waters with Peter Miller. Before that, he was three-time world sailfish champion with his team, the Get Lit. And before that, he was a male model. I think he's the only person that I've ever met that came to being a professional fisherman through uh, the ranks of being a professional male model. 
that is an interesting path. And so we definitely had to talk about it. But we talked about so many other things, Peter's work ethic, how he has managed to uh, make all of this work out, and just an interesting character, really like Peter, good guy, and really excited to bring you this episode with Peter Miller of Uncharted Waters. Sure enough, one of the guys, Ray Combs, with REC Media, he's like, you just let me know, Peter. He goes, anybody can do a show, but getting it paid for is the hardest part because there's great fishermen. And I tell everybody all the time that you can be the best fisherman in the world. There's people that are way better than me. Like, I never sell myself as the best, not even close. Like, I'll t- I know there's a million guys that are way better than me. I'm not the best host. There's a million hosts that are way better than me. But when it's all said and done, at the end of the day, it's... How do you sustain it if you finally do it? And sustaining it is the hardest part. You know, you got to be able to talk to the sponsors, negotiate, give them what they need, um, move with the, 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 the ebb and flow of what's needed in the marketing world, content, photos, videos, appearances, blog posts, websites, Instagram, social, you know, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you know, you name it. So you got to kind of figure out what they need. And that's, that's really what it's all about. I'm Peter Miller, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. And we are live. I'm sitting here at another Miami condo. The last one I was looking over the city and the ocean at Bouncer Smith's house now. I'm sitting here with Peter Miller. I'm Peter excited. Miller of Bast of Billfish and your new show. You got a new show, right? Yeah, it's called uh, Uncharted Waters on the Discovery Channel. And it's one of those things that was like a natural progression, kind of moving along from, you know, doing certain things in the fishing industry and then starting to travel internationally. It's something I've always wanted to do. So I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, you've traveled internationally before in a previous career, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I was a male model. You were? Yeah, I was uh, fishing to support my uh, male modeling. Uh, Or I should say I was male modeling to support my fishing. I was basically doing jobs, traveling all over the world and getting booked in, you know, Japan and Italy and Germany and Sweden and, you know, all over South and Central America. And that would allow me to go fishing and I'd go buy bait and fuel and, you know, I'd have the, uh, the marina set up, you know, where they pull a boat out, put it on a cradle, put it inside. And so I had a really nice setup and I fished. Anytime I wasn't working, I fished. So I, sometimes I'd fish five, seven days a week. I mean, the entire week. And so the modeling gig was seasonal or or what? You would just go for a weekend or what? No, it was pretty regular. I mean, sometimes I'd go to New York and I'd go on castings and auditions for three, four jobs a day I would like audition for. And I would do four or five days of that. So I would go on 20 auditions in a single week. So it's kind of like fishing, like how many bites are you going to get? So at the end of it, I would, you know, at the end of the week, hopefully I'd get a call back, book the job. And then after a while, I started, you know, picking up a lot of stuff. I had success right when I got into it. And I thought to myself, wow, this is actually something I could do. And I did it for 20 plus years. 20 years. And how did that start for you? How did you have, think that you had a, an opportunity as a male model? I went to college, University of Miami, and this girl that I worked, well, I went to school with, I saw her coming out of a club one night, believe it or not, back in like, 
gosh, eight, eight, 1990 maybe on Miami Beach. And she goes, hey, Peter, you know, you should try modeling. I'm like, no, nah, it's not for me. You know, I got other plans. But, you know, I wanted to wear a suit and carry a briefcase and have a laptop computer. Back then, the laptops weighed like 600 pounds. It was like carrying <laughs> like a mainframe with you, like on a dolly. And I got with this printing company and I started doing sales. And then I saw her like six, three, six weeks later, maybe. And she's like, Peter, you really should come in. I'm like, all right. So I show up in a suit. And she's like, Peter, you didn't have to wear a suit for the meeting. I'm like, this is what I wear. She's like, to this day, she doesn't believe me. She thinks I actually wore a three, like a three-piece suit with a briefcase to go to like a modeling agency. And she's like, you're really overdoing it. And I said, well, what do, what do you think? She goes, I got a casting for you. Just try it out. And I went on this casting and I booked it like immediately. And then I went on another one and I booked it, which means you get the job. And, you know, some of the pay rates were like 750 bucks for the, for the day. The next one was 1500 bucks for the day. It was a two day. It was three grand. And I was like, wait a second. There's, there's something to this. I remember about a week later writing or asking my boss at the printing company how to approach a resignation letter. <laughs> he, he was like, what are you talking about? I said, well, I'm thinking about doing something else. And uh, so I wrote a letter of resignation. And handed it to him. He's like, I'm sorry to see you go, Peter, but good luck. You know, I'm sure this is going to be a lot more lucrative for you. I think at the time in my printing company, I was making $19,000 a year. And I was getting a commission from 2% to 10%. And I was like 21 years old. And I was like, man, I'll never get that 10%. No, one, no one's buying at those prices. So anyway, I left that company, started doing the modeling stuff, and it just panned out. Yeah, you're making three grand a weekend, making 19 a year. Seems like seems like pretty good idea. Yeah, one of the jobs was one of the first ones was in the Bahamas, and the client said to me, he "Goes Peter, you know we can't pay you, which you know it's pretty classic in any business. We can't pay you, but we're going to take you to the Bahamas and we're going to give you as much clothes as you can handle." So it was a newer company, and I went to the Bahamas, and we were, you know, six guys, six girls, you know, having great dinners on the beach, on the boat, fishing, this and that, and I was like, "Wow, that's it. I'm I'm fully in," and I I started really enjoying it. And then, of course, traveling. I spent three months in Japan on a contract. Basically, like every week I was doing jobs and photo shoots all over South and Central America. Those are some of my best jobs. In Italy, I did camp- uh, like suit campaigns in Italy, like billboards and like all these stores and billboards for Budweiser, you know, and uh, Tiffany's Jewelry International, like billboards and ads. And some of it was really cool, really lucrative and big commercials for like, you know, SAG, Screen Actors Guild, big paying residual jobs. And I was like, wow. But in any business, you know, it kind of fluctuates. So you'll have like amazing years. It's like fishing. You have great days and then great years and then you have really slow years. So it's like kind of cyclical. But overall, it was a really good career and it allowed me to take care of my family, raise kids, have a great house and, you know, just enjoy things. Did it, was there a, a look that was popular that time that you just fit into or did you have to change your look at all or? Gosh, I never thought we'd be talking about this today. But <laughs> well, I'm interested now. Yeah. Well, honestly, my look—I mean, I, you see these other model guys, right? You walk in, and, you know, I'm six foot. I, at the time, I was like 165, 170. That was pretty, pretty normal. You know, good shape. And then you see these guys that were like six two, and they're real chiseled, and you know, the cheekbones and the jawline, and like real like Zoolander stuff. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, that guy's so going to book it over me. I mean, this is ridiculous. I'm like this, you know, okay shape kid, you know, whatever. And I go up and the clients are like, all right, tell us why you think we should book you. And all of a sudden I realized like, I'm a pretty damn good salesman. I was selling myself. I'm like, I would look at their stuff and I'm thinking, what are they interested in? I'm like, well, what are you guys trying to do? They're like, well, you know, we got dogs, we got girls, we got boats. 
I'm like, well, you know, I've been fishing for 20 years and, you know, I got three dogs at home. And And then before I knew it, I became the salesman. And I was always a salesman as a kid. I grew up in New York. So I was like shoveling driveways, knocking on doors, like washing cars, shoveling driveways, mowing lawns. So I was always a little bit of a hustler. And I'm never satisfied with like mediocrity. I'm always trying to get to that next level. So I I went to everything. Most of the guys are like, oh, I don't have time for that casting. I don't have time for this or that. I'm, uh, you know, and I went on everything. I go on five castings a day. And then it's the sales that gets you the jobs. I would imagine that's not what I would think. I would think that they would have something in their mind that they're looking for. Uh, not that guy, not this guy. This guy has the look we're looking for. But you could go in there and you could actually be like, eh, sway their opinion. It was a, it was a combination. I had, I had decent pictures. I had decent teeth. You know, my skin was, was clear. That helped. And, you know, I worked out. So I was like, you know, you had good hair, good teeth, good skin. You know, you had a good, good, good smile and you could sell. And my pictures weren't amazing. It didn't look like a million dollar picture, whereas the guys next to me would have like Versace and Armani campaigns and right. this and that. And I'd have like the local store picture, you know, and, but it worked. And my forte was really working with kids, dogs, women, like families, like boyfriend, girlfriend, snuggly, kind of laughy, smiley, which was called commercial. That's a commercial style. And then you had your fashion. And every now and then I'd break into that fashion thing. The fashion guys were making great money, very consistent, and they'd fly and do a 10-day job for this certain rate. But what I found myself doing was booking these other jobs, like advertising jobs, where you would smile and snuggle and dogs and this and that and be very interactive commercial style. So you might only work one or two days, but the advertising budget for those jobs were a lot bigger. So you're almost like you'd like slay little dragons with these with these little commercial jobs where these guys were like, you know, doing 10 day jobs. Now, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I would have done those 10 day jobs all day sure. long, but that's how I did it. And I supported my family with that. And then you have to be, I know two male models. I'm going to turn my phone back on mm-hmm. because now I know two male models. The other one I just met this summer. I want to show you this dude. So another male model. What? Yeah. I don't believe yeah. it. Well, you, you won't believe it when I show you what he looks like. This dude right here. Leave everything and wander. Um, if anybody follows my Instagram, you saw me running with him in the Monument Valley. He's got a giant Forrest Gump beard. He looks just like Forrest Gump. Uh huh. Huh. But apparently, I got to find. I got. I could tell already. Like I see that look, and I know exactly what jobs he was booking. Really? Oh yeah. He's got a giant beard. Well, he books all the all the jobs with the beard. Oh no. And I'm like. This is something straight out of Zoolander. Like, yeah. Like, oh, no. There was, it was a comic character. It was completely, everything we did was, was Zoolander-ish. Yeah. But he has, this, he has this big beard and he's got this one, one video of him like walking through the woods and it's snowing and it's getting all caught in his beard and he's got this really long hair. So I didn't know that he was a male model at the time. Like I thought he was a homeless guy. I still can't believe we're talking about this, but go ahead. <laughs> so I thought uh-huh. he was a homeless guy. Yeah. We my, take my son to the Monument Valley. He he saw Forrest Gump. He loves that movie. And we're going through the Monument Valley. He goes, Dad, we got to stop right where Forrest Gump stopped and said, I "Think I'll go home now." And then hey, we got to do it. We're going to get a picture made there. And so we stop there. And there's like a whole bunch of people there. It's like a thing to do. And so he looks across the street and he goes, Dad there's Forrest Gump right there. And I was like, that does look like Forrest Gump. We should get his, we should get our picture made with him. Surely that's what he's here for. Like <laughs> I thought that's how he was making money. And turns out he'd never seen Forrest Gump. His girlfriend, who was also a model, had seen it. And so my son goes over there and says, hey, uh, could, could we get our picture made with you? And he's like, sure. Okay. Well, this guy, we've come to find out later, he gets his picture made 
for a living. Yeah. So we're running. I'm like, let's let's run. And they take a video and and I'm like, come on, man, you knew you you knew you look like Forrest Gump. And he's like, no, I I, I don't even I've never even seen it. She told me. <laughs> so he runs up and gets the red hat. We puts it on. Uh-huh. We run up through there. And then later we start, you know, um, figuring out who he is because he, we got his card and he got our stuff. Yeah. And then we we interact. It turns out that he's a full-on male model. And he has this thing that he does with his girlfriend that uh, it's leave everything and wander. So apparently he was one of these guys that was getting the 10-day jobs, big-time modeling gigs. They made some money and they just sold everything they have. They have this pickup truck and a little camper in the back of the pickup truck. And they're just wandering all over the United States. And they're having wow. these really cool things. It's L-E-A-W, leave everything and wander. But <laughs> just interesting guy. That is, that is cool. And I find that a lot of the... A lot of the people in the industry were very creative. You know, they're people that had to be creative because it was all about lighting and it was about photography. It was about getting the shot and, you know, angles and every everybody in that industry. If you were a hustler, you could come out of that and make a living doing something else, whether it was photography, video, you know, video, editing, this, that, picking the right thing, advertising campaigns, coming up with ideas. And I find a lot of these guys are quietly pretty damn successful hmm. at what they do. And like you, you learn so much in the business. I grew up in the TV business. My dad was a carpenter for Good Morning America. So as a little kid, I would go to New York. I'd sweep studios at 10 years old. And I saw how it all worked. I'd go in the control room and I'd see everybody. All right, camera one, let's do a close up. All right, she's about to cry. Let's pan, let's pan. Coming in tight, tight on the cry. You know, and I was like, whoa, I used to get goosebumps. I was like, this is how they do it. All right, camera three. And it would, it would switch off and it was like snap, snap, snap. And I thought, this is pretty cool. So that's all I knew growing up. I was in studios. I was fishing as as a kid, then I started modeling for money, then we started winning fishing tournaments, and that's when I quit modeling, and I started doing mainly the fishing tournaments, and then I started my show, then I started another show. Well, you have to be one of the only male models to support their fishing habit through modeling. <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine that that's a, that that's a thing. Yeah, it was pretty. It's pretty expensive, as you know, to fish. Well, it's super expensive. Yeah, I mean, back then it was a single engine, so that helped. But you know, I bought my first boat, uh, like you know, shortly after I started and I was kite fishing. I was kite fishing in 89, 90 on my little 25 foot, you know, center console with my buddy and by myself quite a bit. And I was actually in the printing business at the time still. And I was modeling, I was kind of back and forth. So I had the brick phone. You remember the brick Motorola with the giant antenna? And I remember being offshore and I would get a call, Peter, you know, uh, what's up? You know, your client called, they want this deal. I said, that's perfect. I already called them. We're going to deal with it tomorrow wrapping it up now and i'd be on the boat and i would try to be really quiet pretend like i wasn't fishing and sometimes i'd have to come back to the office they're like you're really sunburnt and your suit's wrinkled they're like what's going on and i'd have to make up all these excuses as to why i was sunburnt and wrinkled and smelly (laughs) (laughs) in a really quiet dot you know office i come in like you know like kind of coming in buzzed past your parents as a kid you know like a teenager you're trying to be like real discreet and cool but they're like what's up reminds me of fight club when he would come in and he'd be all beat up he'd look at his Coworker and gar- and gurgle blood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. It was similar to that, <laughs> but the blood was on my shirt. <laughs> that's so the modeling helps you to get sponsorship for your fishing team, get lit because you because you, you figured out first you're a good salesman, second you've kind of understand how a lot of this works, and you bring it back into the fishing industry. And at what point do you kind of go? I don't want to model anymore. I want, I, I think we, I think this tournament thing is a, is a, is a real deal. And this is where I'm going to place my, my focus. Yeah. I think, um, what I did with all of our successes in the tournament world where I take the, I mean, I went, I'm talking old school, 
I took newspaper clippings. I took photos. There was a, a cassette or some kind of tape that someone recorded us. I would get a copy. I would down. I would somehow, and back then we didn't download, but it was kind of like I'd get a copy of whatever I could, and I started putting it together, and I saved everything. And everybody else was like, why are you doing that? Why are you wasting your time with this? I'm like, don't worry about it. I, gotta, I just know that we need it. You're going to want this one day. So I started putting it in like a photo album, kind of like a grandma back in the day, but it was my, my way of like kind of displaying what we were good at. You know, so back in like 1990, 91, I mean, we were already like placing like in the top, top rung of the tournament, the Billfish tournaments. So I would have these pictures of up on, up us, of us up on stage and then photos and trophies and this. So I put together this, you know, kind of a binder. And then we would, uh, I would get called like, Hey, Peter, you know, we need a fisherman. You know, are you truly a fisherman? I'm like, yeah. So I'd book this job and then, and then I'd go to the casting and I'd say, Hey, you know, I have a boat too. Do you guys need a boat? Like, yeah. I'm like, I have a dog. I got surfboards. We can wakeboard, water ski. I mean, I'm like, whatever. I was like an all-in-one kind of like, you can shoot at my house too. I actually have a big yard. Let's do this. So I would provide everything. I'd show up to the job in my boat sometimes. And I remember this one client was like looking through it. And I think it was called Ex Officio Clothing. You remember that? Mm -hmm, yeah. It had the bug spray yeah, woven absolutely. in. And they were like, hey, we should sponsor you guys. I'm like, I know. <laughs> and uh, so they made the shirts and the, the team name was Get Lit which nobody understood back then. Now it's like, you know, the, one of the coolest names ever because people are like, it's lit, you know? And back then, I remember on the radio, I'm like, yeah, it's get lit. One release right now. They're like, who? I'm like, get lit. And I remember my friends going, dude, why, why did you call it that? I'm like, trust me. It's all going to be okay. So long story short, I started getting sponsors. First, it was the shirts. Then it was the reels. Then it was the electronics. Then it was the sneakers. Then it was the line and the knife and the this. And the sunglasses, before I knew it, we had a full thing going. And then I'm like, okay, now it's time to get some money. That's when I started making proposals. And I would spend days on end making these proposals. And I would work on these Photoshop things. So I'm getting them right. And I'm like, no, not like that. And this, I'd send them out. Wouldn't get a response. I'd tweak it to get that response. And then I would just finesse it, finesse it. And all of a sudden, I got a couple to bite. And once you get one to bite, the other one will bite because they go, well, if he bit, I want to bite. So then everybody started coming in. And before you know it, we had a 53-foot. Uh, Viking that we had called Get Lit back in 2002. And I wound up having the boat wrapped in a sponsor logo with the first sport fish to be wrapped with sponsor logos. And then I had shirts for my entire team, all matching shirts. Nobody at that time was doing it back in like the 90s uh, or 2000, I should say. And they're like, what are you guys doing? You guys are ridiculous with a wrap boat and logoed shirts. That's the bass guy stuff. I'm like, don't worry about it. I got a plan. You know, this is, this is what I'm thinking. So we'd win these checks, and we'd be up on stage, and all the guys would hold the checks in front of their logos. I'm like, guys, no, no, no. We either hold it over our heads, or we hold it down by our waist. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, just please trust me. We'd go up there, and we'd hold the checks in the air. You see all the logos. And I would tell the head lead sponsor that you need the best logo right up here, because every, this, is, this is where everyone's always looking. They're not going to stare at your stomach, right. which the best guys do, but they put their big guy down here, down on the belly. So I had everything up here, like really tight to the neck. Even the printers were like, what are you guys, why are you printing so high? I'm like, because the checks are always blocking everything, but I want that guy to know he's number one for us. So I try, you know, it's just, you know, trial and error. Yeah. And, and then that turns into a TV show, how? Wow. Well, I always, okay. So I was always editing. I was always interested in making fishing videos, like back in 19... 8990 I was making fishing videos. I went to Costa Rica. We had a handy cam. <laughs> Remember the Sony yeah. handy cams? And of course there was no music, so 
making these videos, catching sailfish and marlin back in 1990 in Costa Rica, bringing it back, I would hook it up to a boombox that had the music, hook it up to a TV so I could see what I was doing. So I had a handy cam hooked up to a VCR, hooked up to a boom to the TV, <laughs> hooked up to a boombox, hooked up to the whole thing, and I'm like, click, 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 click. I'd hit like four buttons. I'm running around my apartment. And I'm like, oh my god, you know, it almost lined up, and I do it again, I do it again. So long story short, I was making fishing videos back in 1990 of sailfish in Costa Rica with music laid over top of it. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I played one of the songs. Back then, it was a lot of Motley Crue. I remember I played Rat because it was like Shake Me. Yeah. It was one of the songs was Shake Me. The sailfish was shaking. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> and then what would, you, what would you do with those videos? Nothing. I would just show them to friends and we would just, you know, mess around with them and you know, everyone's like, oh, these are really cool. And I, I have them laying around somewhere, probably in my warehouse in a box. But um, then, you know, kept fishing and I kind of came, you know, I started talking to the cameramen on the boats and there were people around. I'm like, yeah, I really want to do a show. I really want to do a show. And I kind of put it out there. You know, I think in life you got to put stuff out there to make it happen. You can't just one day just appear and go, I'm doing this. So slowly I was like seeding the idea that Peter Miller is going to do this. And since I was a little kid, I was like, I'm going to do a fishing show because I loved any kind of fishing, fishing shows. I fished since I was three years old. And I tried it a couple times. And I remember one guy was like, hey, Peter, maybe you're a little young. You know, you're a little young to be trying to get into this. Hmm. Yeah, cause you don't Who have, was that? Uh, <laughs> Somebody that was discouraging you from getting yeah, into yeah. it. Yeah, he's like, yeah, maybe you should wait a few years. You know, you're a little, you're a little, you know, a little hot right now. You might want to, you know, relax a little bit. I was like, huh. I was like, okay, well, maybe. And I thought to myself, I don't think so. I think I could do this. And then I talked about the ideas and the footage and how I wanted it to look. And I came up with a proposal. I remember way back, like in 93 or 94, I had a proposal. It was called The Big Fish. Just, you know, just a dumb name. But, you know, it was a shot of me with binoculars sitting on a fighting chair looking for birds. That was the cover of this proposal. Mm -hmm. And I had a guy that had worked for MTV. So he helped me kind of draw it up to make it look official. It was like a four-page thing. And remember, uh, Richard Gibson, the well-known photographer, the Marlin photographer, was the guy that took that picture of me. So I had like a, a good photographer taking a cool picture of me back in 94. And on that specific day, I caught, I hooked up with a like 600-plus pound blue Marlin in St. Thomas. So it was just like, it was kind of cool. So I had... I had some footage, I had some photos, so I kind of laid that in there. Anyway, so we had this MTV approach back in the day. MTV was doing the coolest stuff, mm -hmm. and it was like fast cuts and you know handheld cameras and big moves, and that's what everyone's doing now. All the YouTubers, it's like you know in your face stuff, and so that was my proposal, and I didn't really do much with it, so it kind of settled down. But um, gradually, I started working into it, and by 2003, we won the World Selfish Championship which kind of propelled us, um, you know, winning like, you know, six figure kind of stuff. And then, you know, we continued to win. We, we went to the podium, I want to say about 120 times over our career. And, you know, you know, some of the checks were, you know, four or 500,000. Mm. So we had some really big wins. So we won the World Sailfish Championship in 2003, then 2007. And that's when, at 2007, we were doing, we had camera crews on our boat all the time. And they were, oh, I told them all, I'm like, I'm doing a show. I'm getting ready to do a show. I'm getting ready to do a show. They're like, let me know. Let me know. Let me know. And sure enough, one of the guys, Ray Combs with REC Media, he's like, you just let me know, Peter. He goes, anybody can do a show, but getting it paid for is the hardest part because there's great fishermen. And I tell everybody all the time, 
that you can be the best fisherman in the world. There's people that are way better than me. Like I never yeah. sell myself as the best, not even close. Like I'll t I know there's a million guys that are way better than me. I'm not the best host. There's a million hosts that are way better than me. But when it's all said and done at the end of the day, it's can, how do you sustain it if you finally do it? And sustaining it is the hardest part. You know, you got to be able to talk to the sponsors, negotiate, give them what they need, move with the, 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 the ebb and flow of what's needed in the marketing world, content, photos, videos, appearances, blog posts, websites, Instagram, social, you know, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you know, you name it. So you got to kind of figure out what they need. And that's, that's really what it's all about. Yeah. That's really uh, about life in general. I think, I mean, I go back to, um, maybe, um, a high school reunion. You know, I just had my 30th. We're probably, we're probably really close to the same age. I just turned 50 last weekend. I just turned 50. Did you? Yeah. When's your birthday? Happy birthday. Yeah. You July too. 3rd. July 3rd. Okay. Yeah. So you got me by a month, August 19th, just very recent. Happy birthday. Um, but I go back to high school reunion or whatever, and I was definitely not the best student. I was definitely not the best athlete, but I was a far better athlete than I was a student. But there's like, I look at some of the people that were incredible students. They're working for someone now and they have a good job, but they don't own the company and they don't, they just have a good job. And they're so much smarter than me, so much. And I see it in lots of other fields where you see someone that isn't the smartest, isn't the most organized, isn't whatever the most technically gifted. You're naming me. Everything you're saying is me. Right. You keep going. And then, but somehow there's the secret sauce of being able to be good enough at something and being good enough at all of these other things and bringing these things together in a package that a lot of people can't. Those seem to be the most successful people. Don't you think? I, I agree. And it's rare. And a lot of people, you know, think that, uh, you know, I don't discourage anyone from schooling. Of course, you know, my son's going to USC in L.A. He's doing really well. He's very smart, much smarter than I ever was. And my daughter is doing really well. She's she's going to private school here in Miami. And, um, you know, I, again, I don't discourage. But, you know, schooling is not the end all. It's not it's not what it's all about. It's really about, you know, people skills. Being smart is great. But, you know, just being able to talk to people and have a relationship and be able to kind of, you know, carry on a conversation, look somebody in the eye and tell them why you think your 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 product is better than the next guy. It's not like you're always selling, but you have to be intuitive. You have to be aware of your surroundings. And a lot of people now, you know, they're on their phones, they're, you know, doing whatever. But being successful is a combination, like you said, of everything. It's 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 like ten different things and bring it all in. And it's really grinding. It's working hard. Um, because in today's society, it's kind of a ADD kind of, there's too many distractions. Everybody's on their phone while you're talking to them and they're shaking their head going, uh-huh. Yep. Yep. We didn't have that back then, but now we do. So you have to really grab someone's attention and it has to be impactful. It has to have sometimes a little wisdom in there. Sometimes it needs to be funny. So you kind of have to, you know, be yourself, but be aware of what that interaction is all about. But Long story short, you definitely want to, you know, try to employ all the little different things to make you successful. It's not one thing. It's not, I'm great in school. I read that book um, that Tim Ferriss just put out. is Tools of Titans. Have you seen that? It's no. like, it's like, I don't know, five inches thick. That's why I haven't seen it's, it. It's, well, it's, <laughs> you don't read it like a regular book. Like, it's got these different chapters. And right in the foreword, he says, look, I encourage you to skip around in this thing. And it's basically, 
he's done a podcast for a long time and he's done a lot of different interviews and had a lot of different time with different individuals from Arnold Schwarzenegger, Laird Hamilton, all manner of Silicon Valley executives and, and, and high power, high performing people. And so you'll go through and, and you'll like read a chapter on Arnold Schwarzenegger and what Arnold Schwarzenegger's habits are and what he feels like made him successful. And then you'll skip around to some other, some other person that you've heard of. It's great for the behind the toilet. You know, it's, you just yeah. leave it back there. You read a chapter yeah. kind of a day. But there was one thing that I really picked up in that book. And, it, and there was this one person who's saying, you know, it's not enough to be the best in the world at anything. If you're, if you take, say, for example, if you're the best brain surgeon in the world and that's all you've got that may not be enough it may be but if you create a surgery or you create a tool or whatever then that tool needs to be put out there to all the different brain surgeons and so there has to be a a bit of salesmanship or a bit of communication skills and so if you are the best in the world at something but you can't communicate or you can't do this he suggested that it's not enough to to be the best in the world that you also needed to be in the top in the top 60 or 70% of another skill like so you have one main skill but then you bring something else to the table whether that's you're fluent in another language or you are uh you can build a website really great or you know you're a great photographer or something like that so you can take that into just just what we're talking about about the fishing and the and the promotion of of what you're doing and let's just say for example you're a great fisherman well you were you were a great fisherman. You obviously ended up on the podium, but you had lots of other skills. You were a great salesman, right? And that's really the secret sauce. And then when you can bring two or three or four of those other skills to your main skill, whatever that is, whether it's fishing or something else, that's where I see the the success from so many people. Yourself, you're, you're a great example because you you had you were you were excellent and proven at fishing, but that's not enough, right? There's plenty of people like that. That's what you were saying. If that's your only focus, then you'll never get the charters and or you'll never get the sponsorship or you'll never, you know, it just doesn't quite work out for you because you're single focused. So it's the, that's what I encourage my kids. It's like my son's getting going to Belmont um, to study multimedia. Like, okay, that's great. You're going to become an editor, uh, a photographer, a videographer. That's awesome. Those are incredible skills. And the market is primed for that. But you also, like one of the things that I was super excited about is there's this entrepreneurship. It's like a, they show it as like a pyramid and entrepreneurship's on the bottom and photography, videography, editing, all these things are piled on top of it. That's what you need to pay attention to. If you can know how to run a business or sell and you're an excellent photographer and you're an excellent videographer, that's where, that's where the success lies. I agree. And, and that's a very good, good point. I spoke to my son about that the other day. When, uh, you know, when he was originally applying to colleges, he's like, I don't know what to study. I, you know, maybe I should do this. I really love the movies. I love cinema. I love this and that. And I'm like, well, you know, that's great. But, but you're going to need to be able to sell your wares. If you're, if you're good at that, you're going to need the ability to separate yourself from this other guy. Like you could be that technical guy that nobody interacts with and being, you know, twisting knobs and faders and this and that. But for the most part, you need to be able to sell why you're good. Like an attorney is going to tell you why he's going to show you why you want him or a doctor, why you should use him if he's good. You need them to be able to sell themselves. So that's that's exactly why I told him he needs to go to the business school and minor in in this in the cinema. And so now he's at, U, at uh, USC. He's in the business school, the uh, Marshall School of Business. And then he's also in the cinematic arts program. 
So now he's doing the entrepreneur stuff and learning about that. And then he's also doing the film and the editing. And it's kind of, you know, I was editing uh, way earlier, like I was really into it. And I think a lot of kids that go into school started way earlier, but he's kind of starting a little late, but he, he had a crash course on it because he's been around the sets with me. And then he wound up doing his own projects this summer. And he's using, you know, learned all about cameras, learned all about mics and lobs and the connections and this and why this camera doesn't do audio. But this is a cinematic camera, but it doesn't have the inputs and this and that. So you use this. So there was like so many different factors. It was like mind blowing to him. And I really wanted to like help him and go, wait, this is how. But I let him kind of figure it out on his on his own. And he did a great job. But he was they were they were pretty frazzled, you know, when they were in the middle of it. But when they finished, they they were so relieved. And they learn so much. So sometimes diving headfirst into it is great. But getting back to it, you got to be good at a lot of things. And especially now, you know, you got to be a people person to, to succeed. You can't just be a great fisherman or a great captain. You got to be good with your clients. They're going to keep coming back. On a photo shoot, a little extra effort. You know, hey, you know, they're carrying, carrying a cooler and there's, you know, 10 women and three guys on the set. And one of the you know, women's like dragging this 200 pound cooler. I'll walk over and drag it with her and put it in the car. You know, it's like little things in life that you do not to get the next job necessarily, but just little things, you know, you help out, you be cool, you interact, you socialize, you know, those are big factors and it keeps people coming back for more. So you have to give to get, but you don't, shouldn't expect to get by giving, you know what I mean? You should give anyway. Um, So that's what I try to do. But every now and then, you know, you have a moment where you're like, oof, if I do a little bit of this, I might get a little of that. You know, (laughs) let's be honest, everyone does that. But uh, for the most part, giving without expecting anything in return is 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 awesome and that's the way people should be how old are your kids my uh, son is going to be 21 and my daughter is 14 okay so we're right in the same i have one in between those i have a uh, a 20 my son's going to be 21 then i have a son that is 19 also and both of those boys are out of the house and went to college and then my daughter just turned 15 so yeah. very similar yeah. in the challenges that we see one of the things that that I see not only with my own kids but a bunch of kids is the effect of social media on communication what have you when we're talking about developing all these skills specifically communication what do you think or, or what kind of coaching are you giving your children as far as the use of social media and 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 trying to maintain the communication skills that you and I grew up with, like how does how does that play into your world? That's probably one of the hardest things to do. I mean, as you're saying it, I'm thinking to myself, I'm envisioning all the moments like here as we're sitting in my apartment. When we walk in here, the first thing everybody does, my daughter will sit on the sofa, my son will sit down, and everyone's looking at their Snapchats, their Insta story, you know, their stories, you know, this that. Everybody's checking, and then of course that gives you a moment to check your own thing because I have you know. 20 social media channels right. between my instance Facebook. So I'm like going through that on that. And then I'm like, all right. And then when I'm done with mine, I feel like it's okay to tell everybody to turn theirs off, which is not that cool because you should let them finish too. But there comes a time where everybody's just like, nobody watches a movie in its entirety. No one gets into anything like fully anymore, which is, which is unfortunate, but that's the way things are going there. I don't know if that's ever going to change if it'll go back to the way it was where people say, okay, you know, we've learned from science that it says only two hours is good and you, you allot that per day, otherwise your brain's going to explode. You know, someone's going to have to come up with something to scare people from it. But, you know, even in the car, I picked up my daughter last night from a friend's house and right away, you know, she's Snapchatting and I'm like, can you put down your phone for like a few minutes? She's like, yeah, dad, I was just finishing up and, and she's pretty cool with it. And my son, you know, same way, you know, he gets on his phone and they, they just take, they keep these streaks 
alive, right? On Snapchat, they'll take like pictures of themselves of just like an eyeball. Yeah. I mean, they're I spending time like just an eyeball, like, hey, you know, in a dark car. And I'm like, well, what, what, what are you doing? I mean, like, what is that doing? It's like, it's not doing anything. But long story short, again, I keep saying that, but I just, you know, I tell them to be respectful on social media, you know, posting pictures that aren't or unsavory. You know, that's a no-no, obviously. My son started social media very late, very late. Like he didn't want to do it. He went to the schools that they go to. They don't put up with anything and they check your stuff. Like they see, they see your stuff and people will tell on. I mean, it's, it's the point where you, you better keep it really clean. So that's something I got to give credit to the school for. And then these kids don't want to be seen in the future, like doing something silly, which is going to affect their career. And they know now that that's the case. Like seven years ago, you kind of do whatever. Ten years ago, you do whatever, and you take a you know a photo, and who knows where it went. Now the kids grew up in a world where they know that this stuff could really affect them. Yeah, that's yeah. really amazing because when I was their age, there would be no chance that I would be looking that far in in the future and think, oh, if I do this really stupid thing yeah. in twelve years when I go and do my first job interview, they're going to know about this, and I'm not going to get that job. That was so far out there and away. Yeah from any of my thinking ever. I mean, I was probably like trying to clean up like before I went to my first job interview, like the the day before, not yeah. 12 years before. Yeah. So a lot of times I think that, that kids these days are getting kind of a bad rap about they don't pay attention. They're not hard workers. They're not all of these things. Yeah, but at the same time, they're having to forecast and think out 12, 15 years in advance about which photo they should put on on social media and of course they're going to make mistakes but man if social media was around when i was a kid two things first of all if tattoos had been in fashion like they are today i would probably be covered from head to toe i was very swayed the opinions of hollywood so whatever was into hollywood i thought okay that's cool that's how you get dates that's how you get <laughs> girls to like you right yeah, there yeah so uh whatever it was you know a sweet mullet I definitely was all about it. Yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> going to get one of those. But uh, luckily for me, tattoos were not not you know nothing permanent was was really important in Hollywood back then. I mean, a pierced ear or something like that. But today, man, they have kids have so many more things to think about. Like I don't know, I give them credit for that part of it. Where there is also the part of the the personal interpersonal skills that I think are lacking a lot in in young people, but they have so many other things that they're so much better at than we ever hoped to be. We never even had those those considerations. Yeah, I feel like the kids now in school, like my kids, for instance, I know like they learned how to learn, which made them successful at it, at being good at school because they, the teachers taught them how to learn. Like I never really learned how to learn. I was kind of like, I would sit there and think about other things and I was very distracted as a kid thinking, okay, well, how can I do this? How can I do this? I was thinking about, you know, creating things and this and that. But that's the one good thing that the kids do have. I feel like that's changed um, because they're more serious about the schooling. But yeah, the distraction from the social media, it's so easy to walk in somewhere. And if you're uncomfortable, the first thing oh. you do is you walk in with your head down, checking your social media and pretending like it's your friend, like your friends are, you know, whatever that may be. It's like at that awkward moment. You see, I see it every day. Like someone <laughs> walks in with their head down. They're just like typing on their phone at nothing. But that's what they're doing because that's their security blanket. So the phone has become that security blanket instead of looking around going, hey, which is not the easiest thing. You know, confidence. I feel like people are going to be lacking 
a lot of confidence because of the lack of interaction person to person. You, know, you could be very confident sitting behind a screen. Right. We all know we got those guys that'll send messages behind Keyboard a screen. Warriors. Exactly. But face to face, that's a whole different world. And that's, that's what's going to take you to that next level. Unless your business is social media, which right now there's a lot of people making a lot of money on social media. And those are their photos. And that's what they are and who they are. But I guess you just have to, you know, you got to find your path and and work hard. And, and I think you got to take time out and, and interact and you got to you almost have to force it. You got to find time where you just go, hey, we're going to go do this. You know, what's you know, what's really good going out on the boat, you know, bringing it back to that whole fishing world. We get out to a certain spot in the summer, like when you go mahi fishing or sail fishing, phones don't work anymore. So we're down to hanging out, music on, and you can actually focus on something. And even if you're not talking, you're not just constantly hitting send and refreshing and this and that and this and that and just sending pointless, you know, photos and comments to keep streaks alive. <laughs> keep streaks alive. <laughs> my kids hear this. They're going to be like, Dad, really busting my chops on the streaks. I'm like, it's not just you kids. It's a lot of kids, even adults. But yeah, I think confidence and interaction with people is, is really, really, really important. The natural world is huge for that. Like you say, getting getting the kids out on the boat, you know, the phones don't work underwater for one thing. That's pretty sweet. So taking them, taking them lobstering, taking them diving, doing things like that, getting purposefully out of range is huge and uh, something that that we try to do. But still, it's it's hard. It's a challenge because at the same time, we had this one moment where the the when social media was first coming around and the kids were getting their accounts and stuff, and it was kind of like. There were there were a number of parents that were kind of like, no, it's evil. Don't don't let your kid have a Facebook account or something like that. And at the same time, I'm using this for business and it's sending the kids to the schools that they're going to. And and I'm like, you can't be afraid of it. You can't be afraid of it. And you can't just tell them to avoid it and tell them it's a bad thing. You actually need to tell them what the power of this thing is. Who knows how powerful social media is, but it's obviously incredibly powerful. And then learn how to harness it and learn how to use it for a good purpose rather than using it for a bad purpose. And we spent a lot of time talking to our kids about that. I think, I don't know if it really sunk in or not, but maybe, maybe it comes back, you know, a few years later, but that is something today. It's such an important thing that you have to use it. You can't be afraid of it. And, and for business, if you know how to use it, it's a huge advantage. Yeah. And it's a learning curve, you know, for business. You know, you got to try to figure out what's successful, what's not, what time, what to say, the hashtags. You know, hashtags are a very important part of, of what you do and certain things. That's how it gets picked up. I'll never forget the first time I hit a hashtag for fishing. And that hashtag, you know, it shows you the, the amount of people that have used it. And it was like one, 146 million. And I was like, whoa. And then you look at another one that says like a certain like logo from a sponsor, which has like 13,000 like uses. You're like, okay, well, I'm going to do that for them, but I also got to put this one in for that. And then it gets picked up and all of a sudden, you know, you have a chance at some of these posts going viral because of a simple hashtag. And yeah. then when it gets into that discover mode, you know, we're, here we are, we're talking about social media, you got me all fired up because <laughs> we base so much of our work on our social media and it's really, you know, it's a really big part of what we do. You know, I tell... I tell the sponsors that are just getting involved or wanting to get involved, they're like, oh, well, TV shows. I'm like, look, the TV show is the, 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 the foundation of a vertical marketing platform. You know, it's the TV show. 
It's integration in the show. It's the commercial. It's the billboard. It's the website that goes with the show with all of the aspects where you can get to everything from that website. So, you know, then you go to, you know, from there, then you go to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, blog, and then you go maybe to another website you have. And then I use a second layer of social media on my Peter Miller fishing. So I got the uncharted water with Peter Miller TV show, but then I use my Peter Miller fishing and I kind of work the two of them together and I, and I, and I, you know, hit volley back and forth with them because that's really who I am. It's Peter Miller. I'm doing events under my name, but then I have my show. So I kind of weave them together. So now you have a 10 piece platform and then you go to appearances and then you go to maybe producing and shooting a commercial for somebody. Maybe you're in the commercial. Maybe you're helping them do something. You're, you're giving them ideas on what they could do and how this stuff should look. Then you become like an advisor. Now you're a producer. So it's basically a full spectrum. You can't just focus on one thing. People go, oh, it's a TV show. You know, TV shows are kind of getting dated. It's like, well, there's always a need for a TV show. It depends when you sit, where this TV show is airing. Is it airing? on a small channel with little eyeballs or is it airing on the discovery channel with 96 million households? So that's where uncharted water's airing. So you can say, Hey, we got 96 million households times this many airings. You're looking at covering, you know, 2 billion households over the course of these airings. And people go, Whoa. And then you go, okay, well, here's my social media statistics. Here's my impressions on this. And I have a post that got, it has 1 million impressions in one week. And I showed that to them and they're like, oh my God. So you start showing these little things of what differentiates you. You know, when you start Twitter, you get zero likes, one like, two like, three likes. I posted one yesterday. It's got 140, 150 with like 30 or 40 retweets. These are, these are legitimate things where people got to go, okay, we're getting some nice covers. But then you need to, I'm going to get that. We have a, uh, you see, see when, when you're, when you're a, uh, a bachelor and you're uh, living in the pad and you hear little beeping sounds in the background, that's a load of laundry oh. going down while we're doing our podcast, while oh, we're nice. talking about social media, making big moves. Still got to have <laughs> clean clothes, okay? And, you know, I, I made, this is a big judgment call. You know, you got your towel. You got a shower. You got your towel. You just washed it three days ago, but you just used it. So you could wash it again. You're doing a load anyway, but, you know, it really doesn't need it. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going for it. So I got a towel in there and it didn't even need it. So I'm like ahead of the game. Yeah. Stay ahead of the game. You are on the Organize. ball. Organize. You see this apartment? Is it clean? Yes. Very clean. Well, you were coming over today. I had to clean it. Very, very, very spotless. That helps me focus on my next project. Like I will have, like I'll come home from, you know, I took a, um, a man out that uh, had a dream from a cancer center in Sloan Kettering out of New York. They flew the family down to fish with me. I fished with them. The day before, I went out with the New York Yankees that wanted to do a uh, uninterrupted with LeBron James. He has an uninterrupted show. So I had CC Sabathian and the New York Yankees, and we went out fishing. I took those guys out, and it's like concierge fishing because they have like food and drinks. So I'm at the grocery store. I'm shopping. I'm buying food and drinks and this and that and bait. We're catching the bait the day before. So all that prep, the Yankees, we finished up with that. I made a video from that, got home. Went the next day, bought shiners. We caught 60 peacocks, jumped in the water, got underwater footage. I'm coming over from that. I'm going to the next event. I'm emceeing the um, Special Olympics Gala, Black Tie Gala, in, in a couple of weeks here in Miami. So, you know, from doing simple things like doing your laundry <laughs> to, to, you know, emceeing big events and stuff like that, we got we to run the full gamut. Yeah. And clean towels are important. That's you know? funny that, um, that you just kind of, on a side note, just, just dropped all of that, what you've been doing in the last couple of weeks. Because do you ever get the, the guy that comes up to you and then he's like, maybe you went to high school with him or maybe, maybe uh, you know, they just know you from whatever. 
Oh, fishing for a living, huh? Must be nice. Like, yeah, if you only knew. Like, it's it's 4.30 in the morning until midnight, eight days a week. And yeah, there aren't eight days a week, right? You got to make eight days in a seven-day week. And then with all of the social media and, and everything else, there's just so many more obligations to it. I mean, it is to say it's a full time job is is an understatement. I'm up till probably two a.m. every single night, and I don't sleep that well because I'm like because I go to sleep with all this on my brain, from social media to videos to to placement to this to sponsors. So I'll go to bed at two a.m. and I'll toss and turn at five, and then at seven I'm like, I guess I'm done. I guess I'm done here, and then I'll try longer, and then I'll roll around till you know whatever I can if unless I have an event I got to get to, but. You know, for instance, the other day when I took the uh, the guy Aaron from Sloan Kettering out and his family, I took my GoPro and I shot 25 videos underwater and then I would pop up and film him, you know, catching him. I'm actually casting a shiner, following the shiner from the dock as it hits the water and watch the peacock come up and eat it and take off. And I'd, I'd film the entire fight and then I'd film him reeling it back up. You know, his dream was to, you know, hang out. We, we would talk and meet. And uh, so I took him to the honey hole and we wound up catching like, I think I bought five dozen shiners, and I think we caught one on every single shiner. We could have caught another hundred if we had them. But when I got home that night, I, he's like, oh, how can I get those videos? So I downloaded them on my computer, and then I looked at them. I was like, oh, my God, these are awesome. And I thought to myself, if I don't do this, I'm going to have this sense of like I need completion to get to my next topic or my next subject. So I sat there till 2 a.m., Dragging them into Dropbox one by one by one because if I drag too many, my Dropbox is like, I, I can't handle it. So I dropped like 25 files in and I named them. I was like, from cast to fight fish, you know, or this one is like a hand grab underwater and this is the Midas Cichlid one and this is the family shot. So I labeled them right away. He got them and he loved them. And that's, that's also rewarding when you do something and you go so far out of your way to do that. And then someone says, hey, thank you. Those little simple thank yous are so nice. I got a thank you card, old school, like a kid these days, never. But this was an adult. I had a meeting and she wrote, hey, it was great meeting you. I look forward to, you know, watching your new show. And, you know, if you, you know, it was one of those. And I was like, wow, that's something. I, th- I think I'm going to try to get back to that. Writing a thank Cards. you card, man. It's a mind boggler. And I'll never forget it. People say when they get that thank you card from somebody out of nowhere, it just sticks in their head like that's classy. I'm going to do that. That's my next move. I'm going to the store after this. Okay. Custom cards. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you maintain balance in your life with all of this? I don't. I have no balance. I am, I'm trying my best to be a good dad and always be there for the kids. I call them and see them and tell them I love them and I support them and proud of them like every day. Even though my son's in college and he's too busy to, to, to you know, call me back or whatever. He's like, oh, I'm good. Everything's cool. I'm like, love you, buddy. Good night. Talk to you tomorrow. He's like, love you, dad. You know, and so we have that, which is great. The support. It's always been there. Been very involved with the kids um, to the point, you know, where it's like too involved. Like you're like a micro, you know. But because of that, we have really good communication, the kids and I. Like my daughter will tell me anything and, and, and we have great talks with my son the same way. And I never judge him. I'm like, you know something's really bad, just tell me. I'm not going to judge you. We'll talk about it after. But if we got to, you know, talk about something, I want you to let me know like right away and then we'll deal with it. And it's not going to be negative. I'm like, not. Nah. I told my son now, so I've ever, ever, ever yelled at you. I think I maybe yelled at him like twice and he's 21. My daughter maybe twice and she's 15 and like 14. So, but when you say balance, it's really difficult. Um, plus when you start a new show, 
So all of a sudden you have a new project. It's all new. It's new opens, new this, new sponsors, new look, new feel, new network, new everything. So it's like re- it's in a sense reinventing the wheel. So I've been reinventing the wheel for many, many, many months now. So I've been like frazzled. But now I just delivered episodes to Discovery. They have them. The billboards are in. The website's up. The store's about to go up. You know, all these little things did so many dynamics. So every now and then I'll sit down, I'll go, I'll take a deep breath. I should be able to chill, but then I'm like, oh, what's next? What's next? And then I start thinking, let me plan my new shoots. So all of a sudden, yesterday, I'm sitting there sipping a cup of coffee thinking, I'm good. I'm like, wait, I need to plan my next shoots. Like, so my buddy called me. We're going now. I just booked Cabo. We're fishing for, for striped marlin and big tuna on my buddy's boat, the fish tank. And then we're going to Anguilla. My friends uh, have a place there, so we're going to go shoot there. So we lock down dates for that, dates for that. You check with your crew. You try not to you know, get in the middle of the holidays. And it's a never-ending battle of how you're going to balance it. So really, it's tough to stay balanced. And it's tough to stay present when you're, when you're not balanced because you're thinking about other things. So I find the best thing to do is call or when you are balanced. You know what I mean? Like, don't make a call when you know you're like all over the charts. I'm yeah. like, okay, now I think I can make some phone calls. It's really hard to to have a conversation on the phone unless the car is the best place for it. That's yeah. when you know you're dialed in. You got about 20 minutes, 30 minutes. You make a call, you catch up. But when I'm home or I'm working or I'm at my office, text and just kind of work. And I think the car has become the place to do it because texting in the car is a big no-no. Yeah. Yeah. You sent me a voice Voice thing. You're the only one. You're the <laughs> only one that uses that feature. <laughs> that is so funny. It's the best feature ever. I know. Well, I was like, huh, what's this? Peter sent me some kind of some kind of thing. And it's like, hey man, I'm driving and this is and you just went on for like two minutes. Yeah. I was like, 40, hey, that yeah. that actually is pretty good. It's the best. Yeah. And nobody uses it. I use the I use the bitmoji feature and the the little gif feature where uh-huh. I send my friends funny things Love from those. movies. Yeah. That's, that's how I spend my time. That's how I stay balanced. Those are really good. Those are really funny. I mean, little babies like falling asleep in their food. And yeah. Dog, I saw a really great one um, the other day. Uh, it was like a, a monkey and a dog like wrestling or doing something. <laughs> it was it just had me crying laughing. <laughs> I'll look for that. Maybe we'll become, maybe maybe you'll have your own gift one day. Yeah. Because you did something. Yeah. That's that's something to strive for, you know, I know. today's society. We got to, it, it probably has to be super funny. Yeah. And and it would probably involve pain from from us. It would be someone would think it was super funny because we hurt ourselves very badly yeah. falling out of the boat or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, that's probably my my surest uh, way to a to a gift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So tell me about the new show. Okay, so the new show is called Uncharted Waters with Peter Miller, and it is basically exploring, eating, fishing, interacting, and it's just traveling around the world. You know. Bastabill Fish is uh is more of a local local show. It's more of a Florida based show. Uh, Florida was was one of my biggest sponsors, and their their demand was like, let's keep it in Florida. So, I decided to. Uh, I had some interest from a bunch of different parties. I started getting calls from various groups out in L.A. wanted to do an original on like Nat Geo, do an original on Netflix, do an original on Animal Planet, and then all of a sudden, producers were kind of calling from all over. And in my mind and on paper, I already had these these domains and I had these trademarks for this show that I, I love the name. And it's very easy. It really flows, you mm-hmm. know, Uncharted Waters. And then I add my name to it because with branding, you always want to have your name associated with it. You know, it could be 
Peter Miller's Uncharted Waters or Uncharted Waters with Peter Miller, whatever it may be. But you definitely want your name associated with your brand. It can't just, and I tell kids like another thing, like when they're doing videos, it's great that they're using sun protection and wearing a buff or, or a who rag or a you know, salt armor sh- shield. But, you know, when you're talking on camera, you got to pull it down. So it's kind of like put your name with your stuff, speak on camera without a mask on, and you got to get your name, your face, your brand out there. And if you have a really special pair of sunglasses, and those are the ones you wear, like my friend Zach Ketchum on, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's got his little white, you know, rimmed glasses that he and his girlfriend wear, and that's their thing. So that's great. But honestly, you know, you want to be recognized without possibly your glasses. So what's really nice is I'm with Salt Life right now, and Salt Life came out with these new glasses. So I have the full line of sunglasses, and now they make reading glasses as well. So now you can, you know, show up events and be like, hey, you know, like because, you, you know, you really just need to get out there and you need to, you know, enjoy it. So this show is basically the first couple episodes are in Guatemala. You know, you don't know what to expect when you get there, but... I, I, I partnered up with Pacific Fins and the fisheries department there and went and shot sailfish, pitch painting sailfish. So I got three cameramen and one guy shooting slow-mo and it's very cinematic. So um, a, A7S, a the Sonys, I believe mm-hmm. they are. Yeah. So, you know, you start to learn new things with new projects. You got new guys shooting a different style, but somehow they all came together. And what's really nice is when you look around and you see everybody shooting and you don't need to tell them anything. Everyone's doing their thing, and then you see the footage. You're like, "Whoa!" So Guatemala makes it really easy because the sailfish are there. Then the giant mahi showed up. Then we got into the elephant tuna, not big ones, but I love eating elephant tuna. You know, we have our blackfin here, which are great, but yellowfin's an upgrade from that. And then the next day, we went out and we got into them right away and caught like. And then we got a forty pound dolphin. You know, all that we had fifty pounders chasing baits, but the little smaller ones would steal it. You know, a thirty five pounder would steal it. The fifty pounder would be like, "What happened?" Then finally, my guy says, hey, Peter, why don't you break out the fly rod? I'm like, I haven't thrown a fly at a sailfish since for like 28 years. So I, I have it handy. I got it laying on the deck, and I got the fly line out. And there he is on the teaser within like three minutes. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I flop the thing over, pulls the boat out of gear. I pop it a couple times. And I'm looking at the sailfish. And he just swims right over to it and gulps it down. I'm like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. And I went, I, I hadn't done it in so long. I just kind of strip set like boop, boop. And he was on and he took off. And I was like, oh, knuckle buster reels. I remember those. And I'm like, shit, you know, then the thing takes off and he's jumping all over the place. And luckily, you know, that fly line puts a lot of drag on these fish, yeah. as you know. And um, I got the fish to the boat in like, I don't know, five, seven minutes. And they grabbed the leader, got the fly back. Then we hiked up the side of the volcano on horseback and roasted marshmallows on the steam coming out of the earth, you know, with my son. He came with us on the shoot. He was like a photographer, social media guy. Then we visited a, uh, a fishing uh, market, fish market. Then we visited a local church. Uh, went to the tortilla lady that's making them on the street, you know, having a couple cocktails, sitting at the pool, you know. So basically, we just did a little bit of everything and just it, it's exactly what I envisioned. It's exploring, fishing, eating, having a good time and meeting people and just kind of, you know, just being and learning. So is this a 30-minute show or an hour show? It sounds like an hour show. I know. It sounds like maybe a two-hour show. That's a (laughs) two-parter. I can imagine. It's a lot to try to stick into a show. Yeah, that's a 30-minute. It's a two-parter. It's Pacific Fins Part 1 is September 9th on Discovery at 8.30 in the morning. And then Part 2 is the following week on Sunday at 8.30 in the morning. Now, were you on Discovery last year with Bill Fish? No. Yeah, this is your first year. This is our first year, too. Yeah. So we've got two of our shows, Saltwater Experience and Into the Blue, over on Discovery. 
really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be good. Um, I heard some really good things from last year from the people that were there. I'm sh- I'm assuming you did the same. Yeah. But that sounds like that's right up the alley for, for what they need. Do you have a show that's before you? Do you know what show is before you? Yeah, I just actually looked today because it's I think it's a week or a week or two from now. And I think it's local knowledge. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of a similar so they're they're doing similar things, you know, it's it's not all fishing, it's a lot of travel, it's a yeah. lot of culture and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That should be a good intro. Yeah. That, that could be really good for both of you. And then I have the treasure gold guy, you know, the guy's looking for shipwrecks. Oh. All that stuff after me. Okay. So he's uh I think that's an original for Discovery. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think I think it goes from me to them. I'm eight thirty to nine, and he may be like nine to nine thirty or something, something in that regard. I just looked at the TV guide this morning. You know, you, it's funny because everyone thinks like you know, oh, Discovery's doing your sh- we're, we're we're doing a lot of the legwork to get it there, to get it produced, to get it to them, and make sure the specs are right. It's a lot of stuff, and then even writing the description of the show, you know, what it's going to say in the TV guide. You know, I'm like sitting there writing that. People think it's, you know, this, you know, the Wizard of Oz writing this stuff. Right. No, I mean, we're writing it. It's like, what do you want to call it? I'm like, well, Guatemala Part 1, Pacific Fins, you know, Jumbo, Jumbo Mahi and Sailfish. And Part 2 is, you know, Sailfish on Fly and Yellowfin Tuna. You know, so it's kind of like, and then you have this big description. They say, hey, no, no, it's way too long. That'll never work. So then you got to tone it down and, and you learn. It's Everything is a learning process. I like every single day I'm learning about this business, yet I've been in it for 30 years. Yeah. Well, it's it's changing every day. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a there was a period of where where things were were the same. Yeah. There's a period where things were the same with uh, you know, Bill Dance, Roland Martin, Orlando Wilson, a lot of these guys had um a a period where a lot of the shows were were very similar and there weren't big changes in television. Television stayed very, very similar. Um, they may have changed networks, but we didn't have these things like social media come along and disrupt our world like we're having now. And it's not just social media, it's digital opportunities, things like Netflix and Hulu and in the outdoor space, it's Waypoint TV and all of these different different things that every single day, it seems like, you know, when one, at the moment you think that you've got got it nailed um, and you really understand kind of what what we're supposed to be doing and and how to uh, how to get your show in front of people there seems to be a new platform there seems to be a new opportunity uh, or or an existing platform collapses or changes or one becomes super hot and one becomes super cold and all of a sudden you know you have uh, you have to adapt you have to you have to uh, really pivot what you're doing in order to keep your stuff in front of people. So on this new show, do you have the rights to everything like you have on Bass to Billfish? Yes. And so what will you be doing on a digital delivery? On the uh, digital side, you mean like streaming? That sort of thing? Yeah. I'm going to be streaming it on Waypoint. Okay. Waypoint app. And uh, that's a a great way to, uh, you know, get the shows across to people that, wouldn't otherwise be having a cable package, for instance. You know, they right. they, get, they can get it streaming. I've I've had emails from people saying, "I love watching your show on Waypoint because I get to you know binge your shows all at once." You know, it's kind of like Netflix. Netflix. I mean, I know me personally. If I get into a Netflix binge, <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, I'm in. 
Right. To the point where I come out of here with giant bags under my eyes, <laughs> food all over the sofa, empty cans everywhere. I'm like really hold up like like a, like a you know, it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah. I will watch an entire series in a day and a half. I can't stop, you know, and, and I think that's that's something that happens and you come out of it you're like it's like you know you're opening the windows for the first time and your eyes are burning and and all of a sudden you're you're like you're like oh there's only four more left i've got to just push on through and get through this i mean i get like that too kind of like uh uh, i did it with breaking bad like breaking bad on netflix was was being advertised to me like here's here's something you might like or watch next or or whatever and i'm looking at this thing if you don't hit this thing in 15 seconds it's going to start or 10 seconds whatever it is right countdown you're like i was gonna try to get something to eat next thing you know you're back in but i kept (laughs) i kept being served up this thing and i'm looking at it and it's it's walter white up there and i've heard people say breaking bad and all this and so my family goes out of town for the weekend and there i am on a saturday which is very extremely rare on a Saturday, I wake up, I, uh, nobody's at my house. I get a cup of coffee and I'm like, huh, I might turn the TV on. Cause as my kids are getting older, you know, th- this time just did not exist. It was not there. And Saturday's the day I take off of, of working out usually. So I wasn't going to work out and, and I'm sitting there literally with nothing to do. And I'm like, huh, maybe I'll turn that on. And there's Breaking Bad again right there. Maybe I'll try that bad move because the rest of the day just breaking bad one after another after another after another then it was so good my wife gets home and I'm i like, loved it you've got to watch this show with me i'm already on season three so i started back over and then we watch it it's you know, that the good whole that you could start the whole thing over it, with someone else absolutely 100 percent. i'll watch i would watch it now you're saying it. i'm actually thinking maybe i will i don't even know i but might there, even start over <laughs> there's so many shows like that that i think are better in the binge thing because because there's a story like like things have gotten so good with the with the episodic things like Breaking Bad, Walking Dead, all of these shows like that to where they've written the whole thing and then they've broken it up into these episodes and each episode is shot like a Hollywood movie. I mean it's it's incredible. But there's so many details. There's so many details to a show like Breaking Bad that that one flows into the other and then one detail gets left out of the next two. But then it gets brought back into the third, you know, and I'm thinking, man, if I had watched this week by week by week, I don't think it would be anywhere nearly as good because I wouldn't have remembered that detail. It wouldn't have been super fresh like that. Um, But I like the binge watching. I have people tell us that they they just binge watch the whole season of Saltwater Experience or of your show or whatever. They just turn it on and watch the whole thing. And you would think that that's perfect for um, somebody that's doing tackle work. You know, you've got 10 rods to rig before you go on fishing tomorrow. Just turn on Bass to Bill Fish and then it just rolls right through there and they're just doing their thing and off it goes. I'm a big, big fan of it. And I uh, remember when they did Bloodline down in the Keys. Yes. I got into that one too. Yeah. I went wild on that for, I want to say, a couple straight days. I don't know how many seasons it was. Maybe it was two seasons. I think it was two. Two. And I, I wound up doing both seasons in like a two days, two and a half days. And But the only problem with that was a little depressing. Yeah. So you're binging, you're you're in a dark room, you're watching depressing stuff, and you come out of this, you're like, I don't think I can watch any more of this. I'm getting a little bummed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, and you have to, then you're kind of like, well, I'm going to just finish it off so I can just go ahead and be bummed yeah. and then move on. Yeah. That one didn't end well for the Keys and didn't end well for for Bloodline. That was a, a bad relationship really? at the end there. It went it went bad from what I can tell because, uh, like, the, the I guess, they decided, well, we've funded this enough. We're not going to fund it anymore. 
And so from what it looked like to me, then they didn't write very favorably for the keys. You know, now they're like, there's this spoiler alert, I guess. It's a really good show. So if you haven't watched it, you might want to turn this off right now. But uh, there's there's this uh, there's this guest house that is supposedly worth millions and millions of dollars, and this whole family is kind of banking on one day they're going to sell this, and everybody's going to have plenty of money. Well, all right, right at the very end, you know, they say that the water level is going to come up and it's worthless, and all the all the property in the keys is worthless. And which is not true at all, by the way, if you're considering coming to the Florida Keys, it's not at all true like that. Probably where that house was is probably nine feet, 10 feet above above sea level. And uh, while a hurricane could put some water in there, it's not it's not coming up and it's not going to be worthless. And that property is probably worth more than ever. But yeah, it didn't go didn't go so well. And that was bringing a lot of people in. I mean, you would go to the Green Turtle and they'd be selling a book, like all the places that that Bloodline's been. And you could buy that book and then go visit all these different places. Well, you bring up a really good point there, which we haven't touched on, is the fact that, you know, nothing is permanent anymore. You know, back in the day, for instance, I'll, I'll bring it back to shooting a commercial for Carnival Cruise Lines. That thing ran for 24 months, the same commercial. And it was like three or four commercials. And it was one of my best jobs I ever did sag checks and it was incredible now commercials it's like 13 week cycles boom 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 shows investments sponsors marketing teams they come and go it's like oh this one's doing this this brand this year oh they switched out they got a new guy and just when you find a new relationship at the at the company you're working with a new partner that guy picks up and leaves and goes somewhere else and then the vp goes and the director of marketing so it's a it's a it's churning it's always churning and you can never afford to get complacent and say, hey, I got this on lockdown. We're we're good. Yeah. Because I never believe that. So I'm always looking. It's not like I'm looking for you know a new girlfriend. I'm I'm just looking for not to get stuck where I thought I was set, and be complacent. You cannot be complacent. So you got to keep grinding, working hard, and always kind of cultivating the crops and looking for you know new new ones because around the corner someone's going to change their their plan or their vision, and it doesn't necessarily include you anymore. Right. So, you know, even we're at a high level, but it doesn't necessarily matter. People, like you said, they said, oh, you're fishing for a living. It's a dream come true. I'm like, well, it is. It's better than me sitting at my printing company. But there's days where I think to myself, can you imagine if you could just flick the lights off at 5 p.m. at the end of the day and just go, hey, that's it. I'm done. I'll be done for today. Yeah, I'll be done tomorrow and and I'll go back in. There's days where I dream about that job because I did it. And I also worked in the studios and I, when, when we flicked the lights off at the studios and I'd leave as a kid, you know, I worked there for many years in New York uh, for Good Morning America, all my children as the world turns, you know, you drive home and that was it. You just turn your brain off. Now we're going 24 hours a day and it never ends, but we do love what we're doing. We do love fishing. I do love making TV. I love social media. I love meeting people. I love talking to people, responding to people. It's nice if you can have a nice impact on someone and if you can help someone, if you can give advice and you know, or take advice, you know, I love taking advice from people, They'll, you know, and, and it's just like this, this give and take, don't get complacent, keep grinding, you got to work hard and it, nothing is given to you, nothing's handed to you, you got to dig for everything you get. Yeah, it, and even more today, like uh, even even the, the lockdown thing, like just a minute ago, I was talking about, you know, there was a period of time where Roland Martin, you know, Bill Dance, these guys, they they did have it on lockdown. The days of TNN, the days of, of ESPN, um, the, the big changes were, oh, this network is going away from outdoor TV. But TV was the thing. 
it wasn't like all of a sudden podcasts are big this year or all of a sudden there's this new thing called Snapchat or there's this new thing called Instagram or Facebook is a thing. It, it, it wasn't like that. It was like TV is big and it's only getting bigger. And it was like that for a good 15 years. Now it's almost like you can't go a week without there being some kind of major technological advantage uh, that has been put out there. Like all of a sudden, you know, there's Netflix or all of a sudden there is, I don't know, a new social media platform or something like MySpace was huge and then it's just gone. It's not even a thing and people don't even know what we're talking about. But MySpace used to be huge. It was huge and all of a sudden it was just over like that. And you know, it that's going to happen to one of our three platforms right now. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are huge. One of those will go away. I don't know. It's probably going to be Twitter, unfortunately. I like Twitter. I don't spend a lot of time on it personally, but I think that it's a good platform and it offers people a, a worldwide a great way to communicate. But, you know, the other two, if they can't buy Twitter, then they're going to do their best to get ahead of Twitter. And then, or for whatever reason, the the market is just fickle and people are like, eh, I don't like Facebook anymore. And now it's all Instagram or now it's all Snapchat or now it's all the next thing. So I'm always constantly trying to figure out what is that next thing? Because when I look at Instagram, I saw Instagram and I was like, well, I like photos. And I've always thought photos are a great way to uh, to tell the story of what we're doing. So I'm going to jump right on Instagram. Our followers went up like a hockey stick. Like all of a sudden you're just, you're, if you get on one of those platforms early, you get huge amounts of followers. Today, I see people starting. Well, you probably started your uh, Uncharted Waters Instagram. And it's, and I would imagine, I don't know, I'd like to hear your, your opinion on this, but I would imagine that that was way harder to get that started than Basta Billfish because of the time that you got on. Yeah, what was interesting about it is when you when you start something like that, you you want to have like an organic platform and you want to have it, you know. So you start posting and posting and I remember when I I remember I was down in the keys. I mean, I only started it my social media in April. And you know, May, June, July, August. We're you know, we're only 4 or 5 months in and um I think I'm close to 4,000 followers on Instagram. On Instagram, which which is actually pretty damn good, and um, and the the numbers are anywhere from three hundred to seven hundred likes, for instance. Yeah. And if you can get, I you know, if you can get a ten percent return on Instagram on on likes and stuff like that, that's a really good number. Most people, you know, are like half a percent, one percent. A lot of people have a lot of bought accounts, so it's yeah. like the numbers don't match up, and people picked up on that people really picked up on that and then instagram kind of closed a lot of stuff down but it's also about your interactivity you can't just post and that's it you know so i enjoy looking at other people's posts mm-hmm. i enjoy tagging other people i enjoy commenting on their posts if i like it it takes you know you got to give to get like we talked about that earlier you have to be active you have to yeah. reply to people if people are going to make a comment on your picture they deserve you know if it, if it's a legitimate comment and it's you know it's not nasty or anything but it you know, they deserve like a, either a like or, or like a thank you or a yeah. thumbs up or something like that. Just to, you know, hey, it's, you know, a little give and take. Um, and that's what I try to do with all of it. And now I feel like my social media platform on Facebook, Instagram, and tw- uh, Twitter on my new Uncharted Waters with Peter Miller is doing very, very well, like in a short amount of time. I didn't know how it was going to go, but my 
my Twitter is better than Bastaville Fish and hmm. Peter Miller on my Uncharted Waters. The, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's kind of remarkable. It's like 350 followers on Twitter. Do you think that's because that's where you're placing your focus? No, because I'm doing, I'm doing, uh, I've been doing all of them, but I'm getting a lot of retweets and people are following it. I don't know if it's the name is easier to find. I don't know. You know, when you say Uncharted Waters, people go, huh, it's a nice name. I like yeah. that name, you know? So I don't know. I mean, for instance, like today, 350 followers on Twitter, but this one post has 150 likes. Yeah. So that's remarkable. That's like a 50% return yeah. on Twitter. I mean, I, I'm still boggled by it. It's all about the retweets. As we know, it's all about the shares on Facebook. When you start seeing the retweets popping and the shares popping and this stuff, and I'll go in and I'll like all the shares, like on Facebook. If I see 30, 40 shares or 70 shares, I click on it and who did it, and I'll hit like, 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 like all the way down to say thank you. I appreciate it because yeah. I think it's cool enough to share on their, on their stuff. So it's a give and take, man. It's, ne- it's a never-ending give and take, learning every day about this stuff. Yeah, well, I, and, and the funny thing is, is like, we think a lot of times, well, we need some help with this. So let's ask somebody that seems to know a lot. And maybe they do know a lot about social media, but it's in a different context. And we haven't had a lot of good luck getting advice from someone that's a so-called social media expert that we can really apply to our business. I mean, we, I keep trying and keep trying with the hope that they're going to give me this magic bullet of, oh, well, this is what you're doing wrong here. If you just change the way that you're, that you're titling these videos, oh, the views are going to go through the roof. Well, they go up maybe 3%, right? And, and it was a good suggestion. And we do retitle the, the, things or or put in different tags or whatever but we just there doesn't seem to be a, a a bullet there doesn't seem to be this this magic bullet that all of a sudden now you're doing things right and boom it it seems to be over the course of all those insta uh, of, of social media platforms that there are some little details to pay attention to but for what i find is like what you're talking about is that social media needs to be social you need to actually like some stuff you need to read some of the comments which is really a that is a weird thing because sometimes and i find that youtube may be the 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 one that is the most unfriendly maybe it's kind of a an environment that that yields itself to more negativity in the comments or whatever for whatever reason I don't find that on Instagram or Facebook. That that seems really good. Twitter, I don't ever have a problem with that. But when you're reading these comments, it's like, yes, you want to be social. Yes, you want to give the like. Yes, you want to do all these things. But you also can't get caught up in this guy going, oh, you don't know how to tie a knot. You don't know how to bow to a sailfish. That's not the right way to hook a sailfish. Like, like you would know. I mean, you won the World Sailfish Championship twice, right? Three times. But you don't know how to sailfish. You know, and some some keyboard warrior there telling you that you're doing everything all wrong, but they can hit you at that one point during your day when you're like, oh, maybe I don't. Like, uh, yeah. I obviously have a lot of work to do. This is really bad. <laughs> well, you put, you know, you put yourself out there, putting putting everything you got out there, and you put a lot on the line to do it. Uh, perfect example is when I did like I did a Make a Wish show, and the kid said he just wanted to fish 12 to 14 hours a day. For two days and that's what we did and we fished so hard and it was very rewarding we caught like 12 different species it was emotional it was everything and the show aired and all the comments were coming through like really positive and i get an email from a guy 
and he goes man that show and he has like the the youtube version of it. he goes that show i was so disgusted about how you were pushing your products and all your products you use on your show during the show is disgusting i'll never watch your show again and blah 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 and i i I saw the link and i'm like i think that's the make-a-wish link where i literally i was up for like four straight days like trying to make this this young man's you know wish come true and i put everything out there everything i could and i was like so fried i could i mean i was like cramp i'm not cramping up at night i remember i was like i need need to get some pd i need to go to the hospital get an iv i was so dehydrated i gave everything i had and this guy writes this thing to me saying you know i can't believe i'll never watch your show again blah blah blah. i look this guy up he's a brain surgeon a brain surgeon and i looked him up and i wrote back to him i said I said, you know, I appreciate your comments. You know, I'm not really sure what you're referring to. I said, this was a make-a-wish show, and this boy wished to fish for two days straight with me. We fished 12 hours a day. We caught 12 species. We went all in, and we did this activity and that activity, We and it made his dream come true. He said it was the best two days of his entire life, and he was like 17 years old. And I said, that's, that's, what, it, that's what it was all about. And I said, I don't have a real sponsor, a flyer sponsor, a line sponsor, or this, you know, so I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> you know. But uh, thank you for your your comments. But uh, just you know, my my main goal was to you know make this this kid's wish come true, and he wrote back to me. I'm very sorry. I see your point. Blah blah blah. So what I find with the negativity, if you address it, it kind of it it squelches the 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 anger. Uh, you know, I, and I'm not saying that's what we always have to do, but every now and then, like specific specific things, they get under my you know they get under your skin. Yeah. So I comment back, and and it worked out. But like you said, being social on the social media platforms is a big thing. And then someone says they're a social media expert. That term is really thrown around very loosely. A lot of social media experts are working for big corporations doing their social media and they get like, you know, 30 likes or a hundred, you know, right. And their following is zero and their pictures are, you know, and it's, I mean, you and I could go in there in a month to some of these companies and go, okay, let's look at what we got going here. What's our target? And let's, let's, let's knock this out. We know what to do. I mean, we spent so much time doing it. Right. So it is thrown around loosely. So yeah, I've heard some people say you got to pay, you got to pay a little money to get that search engine optimization going. You know, like if you invest in a lot of these big companies and a lot of these celebrities, they've done that. You know, they put in, put up some money to get that search engine going. So it's at the top, it's at the top, it's at the top. Or you could be lucky enough where you take out that, you know, celebrity and you have that moment. I'm weird about it. Like if I do take a celebrity, I almost go the opposite route, which most people wouldn't. But I'm almost like, like the other day I took the Yankees out, you know, and and they were, they had a picture, they had a dolphin. And my initial instinct was to run in and get in the picture, you know, and they get tagged all over and with the, you know, I was like, you know what, let me just stay out of the way. I went home that day and it was a weird kind of cathartic experience because I didn't push. I didn't try to we I didn't try yeah. I mean, but it was weird. Yeah, but, but that's because that's because you you you're seeing the bigger picture. You're seeing, okay, what is this all about? Is this all about me? Because no, it's not all about you that day. That day it's about the Yankees. It has make a wish involved. Off, yeah. yeah it, so all of a sudden you just cram your head in there. It's not effective. Yeah. It's not going to be effective for them. They're probably not even going to share it because it's like what they really needed was the picture of the three guys or whatever having this experience, which eventually you will be brought into. Like, but if you just cram yourself in there, yeah. you ruined the the picture for them. You ruined it for you. It's not it's not good. Now it's when they be say, organic. It's yeah, when they're be, like, yeah. Hey, well, what about Peter? He's yeah, gotta yeah, get yeah. in here. Yeah. And then it becomes okay. 
well, we had this experience because of this guy. Yeah. And then it becomes really important. But yeah, uh, social media is a funny thing. And and honestly, probably if uh, it wasn't for the show, I don't think I'd be on it. I don't think that it's just not something that I'm really all that interested in on a personal level. And I could totally go without it. Yeah. But for, because of the show, it becomes an all-consuming part of our, our work day or my work it's day. It's a huge part of your business. Yeah, huge that part. The show is one part. The social media is another part. The appearances, the this, the that, the blogs. You know, everything you do is an integral part of what you do. So you have to do it. And that's, you know, it's, it is very time-consuming. But if you bring someone in, like we talked about, like a social media expert, they don't know you. They don't know the terminology. They don't know how it goes down and what to say and how to do it. And, you know, and they may not edit it right. They might show something that's not right. Like, you know, you might you might have another boat in the picture with, you know, you and I are both Mercury, you know, and then, you know, I'm holding up a big fish and at the dock and the guy behind me, he's got a big, you know, uh, Yamaha behind me. And that's 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 my social media person thinks that's the shot. Right. And they send it off and you get a call and goes, what's what is this? Yeah, that doesn't happen to me, but I know people that it has happened too. So I'm very aware of it. I just did my show open my for my new show, and my guy laid in these graphics, and it's like <laughs> flying. It's really nice 3D, anim, you know, animation with like kind of like gold, kind of you know, rusty kind of parchment paper looking stuff like moving across it. And this one part comes down and goes poof, right over top of my Mercury engine, and it says fish, like right on my Mercury. And I called him. I said, you know, that's one of my sponsors. I said, you know, you got to move that up, you know, out of the way. It's like, why? It's like, you know, then I got to change this. I said, just because. And then another thing, like a Salt Life logo, you know, the show is presented by Salt Life. The Salt Life logo was squished and it was like mashed. You know, when you take a logo and you try to size it and all of a sudden it squeezes it. You know, a lot of times it doesn't. But every now and then you get one of those programs that mashes it and it was like squished. And I looked at it, and he finished, and the show was ready to go. I go, guys, I'm sorry. He goes, it's going to take me like two hours to recompress it and do it. I go, guys, we got to do it right, or we don't do it at all. That's what we have to do. And I, we mic- I micro, I will watch that show 100 times before it goes out the door. And still, there'll be something wrong, but I still watch it like 100 times. I look at everything, and I look at the billboards and the logos and the slogans. And, you know, you always got to be aware of so many things. You can never turn off, you know? Yeah. And But, again... It's better than digging ditches, man. It's better than, you know, doing doing a lot of diff- different jobs. And I think, you know, we're lucky because we love the overall product and we loved video. We love fishing, boating and all that stuff. But it is, you know, at the end of the day, it is 16 hours a day. It's never ending. It's, you know, Sunday to Sunday, whatever. There's no, I don't know, there's no day of the week for me where it's like, oh, you got a weekend off. I'm like, no, that's when I'm grinding. I didn't leave my place for two days. I literally worked for two straight days and I was like Uber Eats. The guy was coming to my door and he's like, have you not changed out of your sweatpants yet? It's like, what are you like, <laughs> like a hundred year old man? I'm like, just give me the food and get out of here. <laughs> I had a box of pizza on my table the other day with like Coronas and I'm binge watching and writing, writing proposals and contracts. And I'm like, oh my God, I gotta go to sleep. And I looked in the mirror and I looked like a hundred years old. I literally did. I was like, oh, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get some sun. <laughs> <laughs> well, your your work ethic and your your the work that you've put in is is obvious to everybody that is watching. In my opinion, I think that you've got a really good product and and you're a really cool guy, man. Thank I you. appreciate you Likewise, sitting down man. with us. And uh, so, if I were to ask you what your goal is for this year, what would you what would you say? I would say to take a deep breath. That's number one. That's that's my goal. I've been telling everybody take that negativity, whatever it is in your life, and kind of push it away and forget about it because it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't. You got to push the negativity away. So take a deep breath, push some of that negativity away, 
have some meaningful connections with people that you care about. And, you know, when it comes to work, put out a good product that you're proud of, that you're excited about. And when you're not excited about a product anymore or it's you become complacent and it's just you're grinding it out, it's time to maybe think about things. Maybe maybe change it up a little bit. You know, ratchet it up. Uncharted Waters with Peter Miller. That's that's my ratchet. That's my high-speed ratchet. I'm like, rrr, rrr, and I've been wanting to do it for a long time. So that's my goal. And and go back to the gym. Haven't been to the gym in, for, for months. I go back for about a week and I feel good. And that's another thing. If you're feeling stressed, you're not sleeping right, a little bit of workout always helps. You know that better than anybody. Man, that is, that's it for me. If I don't do that, I think I might go insane. For me, that is definitely in the top three most important things in my life the workout and then the breathing i'll have to show you the wim hof breathing one of these days because that is uh has been really profound you do this this deep breathing exercise that it just sends all that negativity away for me and it's been super super profound but look into that and then we'll catch up after you do the uncharted with peter peter miller uncharted waters with peter miller on the discovery channel you got to check that out uh coming up um probably about the time I think we're about three weeks ahead on this podcast. So this podcast should be coming out around the same time as your show is coming out on the Discovery Channel. What's the date? It is September 9th, the September. premiere on Discovery Channel, 8.30 a.m. on Sundays. All right. And tell everybody how they can get in touch with you on your 20 platforms. I think we have 20 minutes left, so yeah. you might be able to just squeeze in all the places they can find you. Yeah, we got UnchartedWatersTV.com. UnchartedWatersTV.com is my website. And then Instagram is Uncharted Waters with Peter Miller, the one of the longest names of all time, but that's what it is, Uncharted Waters with Peter Miller. And then on Facebook, Uncharted Waters with Peter Miller. And then on YouTube, Uncharted Waters with Peter Miller. So basically, I'm in there. The only thing that doesn't have the Peter Miller is my website, UnchartedWatersTV.com. So you can get to everything from there. And, uh, you know, look You can get to Bass to Billfish and, and Peter Miller Fishing and all that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, uh, yeah, check him out. Peter Miller, he's a, he's a, started as a male model, then a sailfish world champion, and now he's creating a dynasty production business of television. Oh, and he's a social media magnate. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. Thank you, Peter. That's awesome. See you. One more thing I want to tell you about. We've done a little bit of work to create a website called TomRolandPodcast.com, www.TomRolandPodcast.com. That's Roland with a W, T-O-M-R-O-W-L-A-N-D, podcast.com. And it's a dedicated site for the podcast. One thing that it includes is a book club. I have uh, never really liked reading when I was a kid, but later in my life, I've really grown to love it. I love reading and uh, love audiobooks. I love listening to books and I've learned so much about it and usually when we have a guest on I'll ask them what some of their favorite books are what they're reading right now and whether we talk about that on the air or off the air I have taken that list compiled it on the website under book club and if you buy through that website you'll be taken to Amazon just like you would if you just typed in amazon.com take you to your own account and if you buy Amazon is very nice to give me a little kickback and you can support the podcast like that books cost exactly the same amazon just offers an affiliate affiliate program and i am now part of that so if you want to buy any of those books you can support the podcast too awesome 